Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about garages and garage rock. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Micah Silver, and I'm a child care provider, and I use they, them pronouns. And today we're talking about uh, Cameron Crowe's Singles, made in 1992. This movie is is a weird one. Yeah, it's a it's a movie. This is our first Cameron Crowe joint after moving on from Amy Heckerling. And I feel like the Seattle element was a good bridge for us yeah. to get over the kind of loss I'm feeling at eight, not doing Amy Heckerling anymore. Was it like a Fremont bridge or a Montlake bridge? <laughs> Amazing. So the plot of this movie is basically just the trials and tribulations of a group of Seattle single people, most of whom live in one small apartment complex sort of during the grunge wave of the early 90s should you watch this movie i think so especially if you like if you live in seattle or if you like care about grunge music at all or the grunge scene at all like it's got so many interesting like clubs and bands and yeah if you want a slice of life of what seattle used to be go for it i think it's an interesting movie i don't think there's anything so terrible in it that it makes it not watchable it's watchable i just don't think i would have watched it on my own it's it's kind of boring yeah it's just a little a little blah it's a little milk toast but so is seattle so you know it fits (laughs) it fits follow us on twitter at anthro267 subscribe to the patreon our bonus episode this month is our last amy heckerling movie loser which it was a time it was an interesting one yeah leave a review on apple podcasts and as always thank you for listening enjoy This movie made me miss going to bars. This movie made me miss Seattle. Yeah. Like, real Seattle. (sighs) This city is not Seattle anymore. No. It's not even the same Seattle we moved into five years ago. No, it's crazy. Yeah. They go to Rebar. Oh my god, Rebar! R.I.P. Rebar. Oh, I spent so many fun nights being drunk at that bar. I did a body storytelling at that at Rebar, and that was when I was sober, and it was fucking miserable, especially because I did not get paid except in drink tickets, and I was not drinking, and there was no way for me to turn in my drink tickets for something fucking else. So yeah, I was I was pretty upset about that, but it was a fun show, and Rebar is a great venue. It's a fantastic venue. It's just a shame that like no good fun venue can stay open in this city. No, like I think the only like one of the only like club type bars that is still open that I like is maybe Chop Suey. Is that still alive? I don't know if Chop Suey is alive. Crocodile. But Crocodile moved. They're not in that building anymore. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they exist, but is it really the Crocodile if it's not that building? I don't know. I love Because the history in that building building is so good. Yeah, I mean. For how much time we spent at the Crocodile, I never saw a show. I never saw a show there. The only time I ever actually halfway attended a show at the Croc was I, um... I was doing a, a storytelling show. I can't remember the story show. I was assuming so because you were probably at the Rendezvous. Yeah, I was at the Rendezvous. Yeah, what a great venue, the Rendezvous. That that place dies this this 
city is really gone. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I was at the rendezvous doing a story show and I like after story shows, the energy is kind of weird. Like, yeah, I can after imagine a comedy show. You're kind of like up and you maybe want to like go hang out with people or have a few drinks or just like, but like after a story show, the mood is a little more like just leave me by myself to listen to sad music <laughs> and process my feelings. So I was just like walking around Belltown and I wear headphones all the time. And so I don't, I don't usually hear like atmospheric sound that much, which is the point. And, but then I heard, I was like, I heard a song that I recognized and I pull out one of my headphones and sure enough, it's Prof, uh-huh. who I couldn't get, I couldn't go to that show because I had, I had my own show and I literally just stood on the street, like across the street, <laughs> so that I could see, like, through the window and almost, like, I could see the stage, kind of. Yeah. And the music was so loud. It was like, I was basically there anyway. <laughs> it was fine. I think I stood outside the crock for, like, 30, 40 minutes until somebody just, like, hassled me. And I was like, fine, fine, I'll move on. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so sad to see all this old Seattle stuff and have it, like, all be be gone. gone. Like, This is the Seattle I wanted to move to. The only place I think they go in this movie that still exists is the Virginia Inn. Yeah. Which... Also, did you notice when she goes into the dating service, they have everything covered up so you can't see it, but they don't cover the door, and you can see on the door that it's just the Virginia Inn, but they've, like, hung up curtains everywhere oh so that God. you can't see that I it's miss the same that. room. That's amazing. Yeah, I saw the sign on the door, and I was like, that's funny, that's probably... You only got two businesses to let you film inside, so you just made do with what you had. Love it. I miss, this is the Seattle I wanted to move to. Right? I feel like this is the Seattle we all want to move to, and this Seattle- It only lasted for, like, five years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it was probably pretty, it was pretty grungy in the 80s, too, I'd bet. Oh, yeah, I bet. I just think it's definitely, like, in the 2000s, Amazon- yeah google facebook adobe just like crushed this city yeah it is really weird seeing streets that i like walk on daily on a movie it's so weird because i like how many especially all the marketplace stuff i'm like i this was where i work work here yeah i used to work right down there and i was like like, Right? I'm like, I've smoked weed right there. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it's really weird. I've never really had that experience before. Because, well, and so many movies that are set in a place, they like use the establishing shot and they'll use like one exterior street, but then it's obviously just like it's a back lot or right, it's Toronto exactly. or whatever. Right. But this this is made in, in Seattle. Seattle. Like even the driving scenes. Yeah, we were watching. I mean, I've I've walked literally every inch of this city, and like even the driving scenes, everything, it's all actually Seattle. Right. Like the first half hour of the movie, we were just going, "Hey, I know that hey, spot." That spot. And we're, like, pausing the movie and being like, okay, they're at this intersection. Oh, that's where this is. Okay. Or, like, how did she they She bikes get... over the Fremont Bridge it... at one point. It's great. I walk over that bridge all the time. I love the Fremont Bridge. For a person who loves bridges... The Montlake one is better. This is a, this is a great city. Yeah. I do love a good bridge. I don't know what it is about bridges. It's the autism. <laughs> you know you can't use that excuse for all your personality. <laughs> Am I wrong, though? No, not on this case, but I'm just saying. It's Uh. even crazy because, like, 
even the restaurants and the cafes like look huge. Oh my god, they're so big. Because it's like before the city got like cut up into tiny postage stamps that cost a million dollars a piece. There is a restaurant that I remember us going to when we first came to Seattle to scope it out before we moved here. Uh, it was called like the Lucky Lucky's Diner or something like that. that. I think that might have been it. Yeah. And I just remember it being massive. It was big. It was big for, and then like I never saw a restaurant that big ever again. No, and if you do, it's definitely like it's some giant corporation uh-huh. who can afford. You know, it's fucking Olive Garden or whatever. Right. But I think Seattle it's even the, has an Olive Garden. It's the Cheesecake Factory. Right. Right. Yeah. This movie is full of interesting characters. Yeah, it's definitely. Would you call it a character study? I feel like a character study. Can you study, call it a character study? I think a character study usually focuses in a little more. It feels a little challenging, and I th- I think you're right. I think this movie is meant to be kind of a character portrait, but there's kind of like too many characters to keep track of. Like I fully kept forgetting that the redheaded woman who's doing the Debbie the Debbie who's doing the video dating. Like I fully kept forgetting she existed. And then her storyline would come up again. And I'd be like, all right, this bitch. We're do- I forgot we were doing this. I just think there's too many characters in this movie. Or they need to be more distinguishable. Like I know more... how to fix this movie. Uh-huh. I just came up with it. Yeah. Make it queer. It makes sense if it's the queer community. Totally. Like, yeah, yeah. Everybody complicated lives in relationships. Like, kind of one building. Right. Everyone lives in one building. You visit the same coffee shops. You know, like you are in with the baristas. What? Like yeah. that makes sense if you are queer. For straight people it feels very weird it feels weird do straight people have community (laughs) i'm not sure they do truly though i'm not sure that they do that straight people do that have to do the same active community building the way we do which i think is why so many people end up just getting married and having their spouse be their only social outlet or at least their primary social outlet that sounds like so much work for one person to do right exactly it's yeah kind of toxic and like not a great way to have a relationship but i mean you can argue about like which came first but like i feel like because straight people don't have that community they tend to force themselves into romantic relationships like in this movie where one of our characters janet is like so desperate to be in a relationship that's her right the one who dates cliff who's dating cliff. the barista yeah yes I had to, I couldn't remember which one she was. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's my point, kind of, is that it's so hard to tell any of these goddamn characters apart. But Janet is just so desperate to be in a relationship and to be, like, validated by a relationship that she doesn't really even notice how toxic her relationship is. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think is a bigger problem in straight, I mean, is a bigger problem in dating culture i would say than we are willing to admit yeah that's true once again we have this theme of hey look at this nice slice of life movie showing its complete ass and how toxic things could are actually because like again i don't think any of these relationships are very healthy yeah and i think we're meant to be like obviously we're meant to think that the janet and cliff relationship is bad right that one is obvious pretty obvious but like even even the linda and steve 
Steve. Steve. Even the Linda and Steve one is... Yeah, it's it's not great. And they're still always, like, even while they're saying, like, how they play it straight and don't play games, like, that's absolutely still what they're doing. Playing, absolutely. Just, like, playing games and fucking around and wasting people's time. Just talk to each other. Yeah. Tell people how you feel. Yeah, it feels like this movie, like every romantic comedy, could be solved by just, like, have a conversation. If you just fucking talked about your expectations and your needs and your wants, like, you wouldn't have so much, like, so many problems here. Yeah, I get that the whole thing is that, like, being raw and emotional and, like, it's vulnerable and it's scary, which, like, yeah valid i get that but also it works yeah right (laughs) like yeah i don't understand how you intend to get your needs met in a relationship if you are unable to voice them to your partner right and i think maybe this comes back to like our sort of like unwillingness to do like self-examination and stuff yeah because i'm sure you can map a lot of it back to like childhood trauma and like all of that shit because being vulnerable you learn is hard and scary and you deal with shit especially if you're a masculine person and like your whole childhood has just taught you to like ignore your feelings and feel nothing and replace all your emotions with rage it might be like literally impossible to communicate your needs because you don't even have access to what your needs are right which is like again this runner about how like we are accidentally destroying men and we have no idea yeah men are not okay men are not okay and it is not okay that we are keep putting these expectations on them that they are not allowed to feel anything and that they like have to be coy and like pretend not to care and like simp over your wife it's adorable yeah and then have to be like distant and then once you get married then it has to be like oh boy this fucking ball and chain this bitch that i would hang the second that uh or push in front of a bus the second the option was provided to me it's like why are you married what is this thing where you are incapable of expressing your love to the one person that you've pledged to spend your whole life with Like, why are you embarrassed to love your wife? It's fucking disgusting. Like, I will say this on the podcast a million times. I'm obsessed with my husband. Like, I can't, I can't imagine being like, this bitch over here. Right. That seems insane to me. Yeah. I don't know. As a single person, it just feels like a waste of my time to play these stupid games of like, sit and twiddle my thumbs for like four days because if i get excited about wanting to talk to you then Then you're gonna think i'm crazy and then we're gonna it's gonna be a whole thing and yeah exactly it's like i don't yeah because they even say in this movie like i wrote i quoted this when here sedgwick linda and uh her friend in the office are like talking about steve one of them says men like to be called in reference to like you know called after a date right and i was like yeah we all like to be called everyone likes to know that the person that they're dating is thinking about them don't they yeah like if you don't then you don't want to date that person right isn't that what that means like i don't understand this whole game about like be aloof being aloof and detached like do we think that's attractive 
Please tell me not. if you think that, like, cold and aloof is attractive, because I have never found that to be the case. People who I usually go on a second date with tend to be people who make sure I get home safe, they check in with me later in the night and are like, hey, just wanted to make sure you got home safe. Or two, after the date, make a move to actually schedule another one and like show that they're interested and be like, this was really fun tonight, we should do it again. Yeah. Like, and not in a like, not in a like, we should do this again yeah. way, but like, like a, a, are you free, free next Thursday? Right. Yeah. That shit, yeah, that shit always gets me like, when you get home from a date and you're getting ready to go to bed and you get this like, I had a really fun time tonight text and you're just like, <laughs> you're like ah, ah, me too. Yeah, it's just so weird. I mean, before text messages, I feel like the emotional buy-in of calling someone yeah. was a lot higher. Yeah than sending a text but yeah it just feels weird that you used to have to like go out with someone and then just like wait around a few days and hope for the best like that seems like a nightmare that sounds awful like at least when you get ghosted now you kind of know it's happening because you've already been texting right so you kind of have the feeling of like, uh-oh, something went wrong. You're going away. But like before texting, you would just go on a date with someone and then never hear maybe anything. Maybe you never heard from them again. That sounds nightmarish. <laughs> like you couldn't even send them like, you know, like somehow sometimes you send that message where like you go on a date with somebody and then you don't hear from them for a couple days and you send them that like, I guess it's not going to be, like, I guess there's no chemistry text. Right. <laughs> you know, the like, kind of passive-aggressive, like, hey, I guess this isn't going to be a thing. Or, like, hey, do, do, do you want to go out think, again? Do you think I, do you know that I still exist? Like, you couldn't even do that. Like, yeah. No. It's, I'm so glad I, I date now and not in the 90s. It would yeah. drive me insane. Yeah. So, yeah, this is going to be a little bit more, I think this is going to be a bit more of a, relationship episode than, yeah uh, than this whole movie was just like the whole plot is dating yeah and i mean the movie's called singles right i feel like that's kind of you know kind of does what it says on the tin right kind of thing. <laughs> for real um and yeah honestly it was just like it's hard to find movies that are explicitly about childhood yeah so i mean Kind of the secret underlying master plan behind all this this director stuff is to just like fit in a bunch of movies that probably don't technically belong here, but that are interesting to talk about yeah. anyway in the way that we talk about movies. Okay, so we gotta our, talk about Janet. And our first character is yeah Janet Livermore, played by Bridget Fonda, who is in a relation like a a terrible toxic relationship. With it's a uh, situation ship <laughs> with Cliff, your local grunge band lead singer, yeah, who isn't very good, right? Yeah, Cliff fronts a band that is made up of members of real grunge bands, notably Eddie Vedder, yeah, of you know, being Eddie Vedder, and uh, yeah, but so that the whole view of the, the rock scene in Seattle is really cool. Oh my god. It would have been so much fun to be here in the grunge years. I know. I would have gone to so many more shows. Yeah, right. When it didn't cost a million dollars to go to a show. Yeah. So Janet is in this really toxic relationship where she is like crazy head over heels in love with Cliff and he kind of can't even make 
good time of day for her. Like, I think when we first meet him, she says something like, we went out and then you didn't call me for like a week and I tried to call you, but you weren't there. So I just came over or something. something yeah, like, something, something like, like that. that. You missed our date too. Oh, yeah, no, that's what it was. It was like, you, you stood me up on our date on Saturday and then you never called. And then I tried to call you and you didn't answer. So I just showed up. It's like, baby, he gave you so many signs that he wasn't into you. And again, this is that thing where like her self-esteem is so tied up in being in a relationship that she's not really stopping to think about what the relationship actually is. Right. And he's pulling the classic bullshit of like not actually telling her no and keeping her like strung along so he has a convenient place to put his dick whenever he wants to. Or just like the classic asshole thing of like, I don't have the guts to break up with you, so I'm just going to be an asshole and hope that you break up with me. Yeah. Uh, Which... Which I think he's definitely sticking around for the ego boost she gives him, because you can, like, the way he, like, tries to get her back and is like, I miss the way you look at me. Yeah. Which, like, is clearly, like, you just miss the attention that she gave you, which is, like, not a reason to date someone. Right. And not a reason to keep someone around. Yeah. Uh, he also strikes me as like kind of one of these guys who is the lead singer in a band for the girls. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Especially he screams with the fact that he's like always like famous for taking his shirt off, I guess. Yeah. Right? Like the article they write about him says that he's like the perpetually shirtless cliff whatever. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I... Loved that scene. Oh, <laughs> so amazing. Was He's like, I don't want to hear anything negative. And then they just, just silently, silently read the, the article, article to themselves. But the backing band was really good, including drummer Eddie Vedder. <laughs> a compliment for us is a compliment for you, man. We can't let your <laughs> fragile ego get shattered or else I, you're going to blow up. I feel like that moment, you can see the other three members of that band have this telepathic conversation about like, oh, we need a new lead singer. Oh boy, we gotta get rid of this fuck. Oh boy, he is dragging us the fuck down. I love how his bandmates treat him. I think it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. And I, he definitely has like narcissistic tendencies that totally. I can like see. And like, I'm sure being in a band with him was awful. Oh, totally. And I can't even imagine, like, I don't know that many music folks, but like, I gotta imagine this kind of guy is all over the place. Oh, I'm sure. This kind of just, like, self-centered monster who just likes the attention and doesn't really care about, like, art or people's feelings. As nice as outside validation is, it is not your main source of validation. Right. Learn to like yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's hard work. But you can't just drag people around to make you feel better. Yeah, as a person who tried to use comedy in place of a self-esteem for a long time, like, it's not a healthy way to move through the world, let me tell you. As someone who's been dragged around by a lot of these guys, yeah, it's not nice. Yeah. It's not fun. And, yeah, I, like... I ha- I have a soft spot for Janet because like I she's an oblivious idiot who's so desperate and yeah. I teenage me like is just like 
I see you. Totally. Yeah, I mean, well, definitely, like, I think as a teenager, before you've been burned, really, you don't know, you know, your your your, hack, your guard isn't up. Right, and know? she's only 23, so, like, she's still young and still has, like, a lot of that, like... Yeah. Early, like, and especially, like, if you meet a lead singer and he's, like, totally. you know... I can totally see falling for this, especially when she gives her description of him, like... Oh, he's so artistic and like, you know, like he's a renaissance man. Yeah, I was like, oh, I could totally see what you would see in this guy. Yeah. But then, yeah, he's a trash human being. Yeah. I really love the last scene of them where she calls him entertaining. And you it was just like this. You are very entertaining, which was just like a gutting blow. And it was. (laughs) So beautiful. Yeah, just amazing. It's just like... Just ice fucking cold. Oh, so good. So then our other primary relationship is Kira Sedgwick as Linda Powell and Campbell Scott as Steve Dunn, who, uh, yeah. So it took me longer to actually like Linda's character or like empathize with Linda's character and not just because of the writing because I'm so used to despising her as Madeline Wunsch on Brooklyn Nine-Nine this is Kira Sedgwick Kira Sedgwick is from all over the place I know but like but also Madeline Wunsch on Brooklyn Nine-Nine is like is the last thing I've seen her in and like the most consistent thing I've seen her in well yeah the closer is the thing I know her from that she was that yeah forever i i'm a little young for the closer yeah i guess anyway i just thought it was fun to be like huh you're a nice person that's (laughs) weird yeah this relationship is definitely interesting how do they even meet they're at a concert oh right right. he pulls the whole like pulls the classic like i'm not playing games with you i'm being genuine genuine. she totally calls out his bullshit and she's like no, you're absolutely doing a thing, and not doing a thing is your, your thing. thing. Which is, yeah, kind of gross. Like, it's almost... It's, it's very like, nice it's guy. It's proto-nice guy shit, exactly. It's like, well, I'm not playing games. I'm just gonna hang out over here and stare at you and hope that you fall in love with me by proximity. Ugh! <sighs> yeah i like you know it was the and it was like the classic we just keep running into each other so like you break down and you just have to kind of make a joke of it and like right which is cute and i thought it was very like okay yeah and like i like where they were going with it of the like i really like this person i really don't want to mess it up do i play these games do i not how do i like and like him coming to her office when she's like clearly ignoring him to be like did I fuck it up? Because I don't want to fuck it up. I'm really <laughs> yeah. sorry I fucked, yeah. it, I fucked it up. Which, like, adorable. Right, yeah. And in an age where that was kind of your only option. Like, right. Yeah, that is, that is pretty cute. Right. Maybe don't visit the girl you like at work, though, because she's kind of stuck and yeah. it's a weird power dynamic. But again, like, in 1992, like, you can't even write her an email. No, you can't. So it's call her house, call the office, or... And she show up at her apartment like right yeah, that's of, worse yeah that's definitely worse yeah i don't know they still like fall into these like pitfalls of it all yeah it definitely does feel like very much like the way they meet like they say they're not playing games but they're absolutely Lutely playing, playing games. games yeah i just don't understand the games yeah it that's gonna be a runner on this show, I think. Yeah, like, I just don't understand how those are attractive and how they're supposed to work. 
Also, just why are all romantic, male romantic interests in movies architects? Because they're smart and artistic. If real... It's math and art mixed together. Fuck. You're right. That's accurate, probably. It's because you can't have a soft artistic guy because that would be too, like, niche and, like, he's too alternative for, like, mainstream audience and you can't have, like, a smart science-y person because they're too geeky and nerd and too niche. So architects are the milk toast of the world. I find Steve very boring. Yeah, I do too. I find all of these characters very boring. Yeah, frankly, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the Seattle story, right? Like, everybody's kind of the same boring white guy. I do appreciate that the Seattle freeze seemed to be an issue in this movie as well. <laughs> yeah, even even 30 years ago. Oh, God, God 1992 was 30, was 30 years, years ago. ago. I wrote 20 years and I did my math wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, like, there was a line where he was, someone was like, I haven't met anyone or, like, I don't have any friends or all of my friends are people I've dated. Yeah. Well, that all of my friends are people I've dated is is a, the queer struggle for real. Like that's what I mean. Like that's like what you said about this movie makes a lot more sense if everyone is gay. Yeah. Because like everybody living in the same building, and yeah, like if all your friends are your exes, it, it's, it's a it's a gay it's thing. Because you're gay. Because you're gay. <laughs> don't make the rules. <laughs> yeah, I don't make the rules. I just abide by them. Because like it's so it's so weird. Because like. Steve is such a boring, milquetoast character, and honestly, like, if she were written a little better or a little more, like, Linda is actually, like, really interesting. Yeah! You know? Like, she's, she's a, like, an environmental lawyer, or, or she some... works for an environmental NGO or something. Right. Like, and yeah, she's always, like, jetting off to protect Alaskan coastlines and stuff. That's awesome. Like, she seems like a badass, and Steve is just kind of, like, there... Yeah. Which, I mean, uh, let's be real, is a lot of romantic comedy leads. Right. I mean, I guess that's kind of all that's expected out of men. Is to just show is up. Is to just like, hey, I exist. You should you should suck my dick now, right? I'm here. I have come. Now let me come. <laughs> Look, I can't defend them, but I'm still attracted to them. <laughs> Also, the way they handle this baby scare or like yeah. the baby plot line at all yeah. was like. I have a note about that that like this seems like such a bad idea. Like the whole concept that two people would just get married and spend their entire lives together instead of having an abortion seems ludicrous to me. Right? Like, or like an abortion have the kid. It's so and- much cheaper than a wedding. And so much less permanent. Also, like you can have more kids. You're you shackled to this person, at least until you hate them enough to pay a lawyer. You are also allowed to try co-parenting without getting married, right? And you are allowed to be like, no, we don't work out as a couple, but we should still co-parent this child. Yeah, you know, you don't have to necessarily get an abortion and or get married. It is not a binary option. Right. Also, adoption exists. Right. Like, there's so many things that you shouldn't have to get married. And like, maybe I am biased as a person who is a result of a shotgun wedding. <laughs> <laughs> where my mom got pregnant and so they had to get married because that's how things worked. Yep. Like, I just don't think it's ever healthy. 
right? Because you're not in the relationship for the right reasons. reasons. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that. My brother and his wife have been married for years and years, and they got married because she got pregnant. I mean, he says it as much in the movie when he's drunk and calling her at the club of, like, I didn't want to marry you just because we were having a baby. Like it just like happened to be a reason that we could, like it was like the nail in the coffin or that's a good way to look at it. You know, like, you know, cause like they seem to be really happy and actually enjoying their company. And like, was it too fast for marriage? In my opinion, yes, you should live together before you get married. What if you don't like the way they brush their teeth? Well, this is what I wrote. Like, what if you don't, what if you have totally opposed parenting styles? Like, how do you even know that your approach to having kids is That's, the same? Yeah. You know? Also, like, again, straight people taking granted, like, how easy it is to have kids. Yeah. Like, seeing that screaming child in the theater and having that are we making the right decision moment and still totally. going, who cares? We'll figure it out. Like, yeah, that, yeah. You, that's going to fuck up your kid. That's going to like right. not. Yeah. I mean, I think truly until recently, there just wasn't a consideration for like what was going to fuck up kids. No. Or people. Because kids are resilient. Just and they... had this idea that, yeah, kids are like made of rubber and they just like are blind and mute and like blind and deaf until they turn 18. Children should not have to be resilient. Right. That's the whole point. They They're should be children. children. Yeah. Children shouldn't have to grow up. They shouldn't have to be adults. They shouldn't have to learn about the real world. That's what adulthood is for. That's what teenagehood is for. Childhood is for being a child. Let them make fucking mud pancakes and tell them they're delicious when they hand you one. Play space pirates versus zombie aliens and whatever fucking other weird shit they want to get into. What was the thing that I played last week at preschool? I got arrested and had to go to jail because I ate too much ice cream. There you go. Exactly. That's the kind of cool, weird kid shit I'm talking about. Ice cream jail. I had one scoop. That's too much? Too much. They gave it to me. They were like, here, you need to eat this. And I was like, okay. And they're like, now you ate too much. You have to go to jail now. I'm like that Parks and Rec bit. Like, too much ice cream? Straight to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Not enough ice cream? Also Also jail. jail. (laughs) Think about the ice cream. You also go to jail. (laughs) Also jail. Tell people you miss them. It's okay. Yeah, The whole reunion at the boat and, like, playing it cool and, like, I get it. It's scary when you think that they don't like you, but like you, they won't know if you don't tell them. Right. Isn't it better to like put your feelings out there and have them dashed than to just like live with the uncertainty forever? Like that feels way worse. That sounds way Than just worse. having the momentary pain of like, fuck, I messed up. This isn't going to work. I thought this was a thing. But now I can move on. Right. Versus like the pining just for pining and dragging around your apartment and like being depressed for months because you just like couldn't share a feeling one time. Share yeah. your feelings. They're important. We gotta talk about, about Debbie. Debbie. Who is the character I kept forgetting about existed in this movie. Come to Debbie Country. <laughs> Come to Debbie. That dating video. Just the most insane thing I've ever seen. I feel like it was the perfect 90s encapsulation, though. There's They do this bit community where a character dies, 
and he gives over some like generic green screen footage for Abed to make like a tribute video right with. and it's just like him like jogging and like pretending to fly in front of a green screen and it looked like this was exactly the same thing oh like, absolutely they literally just had her do like two different poses and they put her in front of nine different green screen backgrounds so fucking dumb. It was so cheesy. So cheesy. And like dating services in the 90s. Yeah, video dating. I feel like I saw, I've seen this in another movie or a TV show or something, this video dating thing. It just seems insane to me. Like I know, I understand sort of intellectually that before internet dating, there had to be something non meat space services. Like, right personal ads and that kind of thing it just seems frankly so insane to me that you would just like go out with someone after having just seen a video of them or even worse after having read like a 50 word description in the back of a newspaper oh my god that's a nightmare neurotypicals are weird right sets off so many red flags yeah but then, yeah, the video, it's, like, all weird and green screened, and all the parts that aren't green screened are, like, boudoir shots where she's basically naked. It's so strange. It's so wild. It... And I think it's meant to kind of poke fun at the idea of, like, non-meat space dating. It has to, because, like, especially in the 90s, non-meat space dating had to be, like, the wildest shit. And, like, yeah. so much, like, crazier stories out of it than we get yeah. now. Because now you at least get the text, the texting right. to like establish total maniacs, people who can't hold it together for more than five sentences are right out. If I get more than two one-word replies, you're straight to jail. Straight to jail. <laughs> Again, effort is sexy. Yeah. Talk to me, man. If you if I ask you a question and you give me a one-word response, jail. Jail. <laughs> Welcome to Tinder jail. <laughs> Tinder jail forever. Yeah, it, I think it's it's just, like, no part of the dating in this movie seems fun. No. <laughs> like, no part of this seems enjoyable or positive for anybody involved. No, it doesn't. And I think it's even more ridiculous. Like, she does, so she goes on the date with the one regular guy who answers her video ad, right? Right. And then he shows up to her apartment because they missed at the restaurant, which... Creepy. Creepy. And then she and her roommate get in a fight over who has them and they, and they barter, barter over how much one has to pay the other to to Flirt. drop it, to leave it alone. Like that's nightmarish. Also, he overheard it and like didn't take offense to it, which like Also like what a class A creep. To A, just show up at your house after you didn't show up to a date, like, hey, buddy, me was trying to send you a fucking message. But also, B, like, to then just immediately start flirt- flirting with your roommate. Like, you know she's gonna, you know this is her address, you know she's gonna come home at some point. What is your best case scenario for you show up to a girl's house, she's not there, you start flirting with her roommate. What is best case for you? You fuck her roommate and then you have to walk of shame out of their house the next morning? That's way worse, dude. You forget threesome. That's not real. No, it's not at all. That's but... a thing men made up. Oh, absolutely. For porn. Oh, it absolutely. 
but they still believe it at, in some part of their bo- body. Well, with a certain part of their body. <laughs> yeah, with one particular part, yeah. <laughs> Debbie's whole over the topness. Debbie just reminded me of the eighties constantly. Like yeah, I know she, we're like just out of the eighties. She has a very like eighties power woman, second wave feminism kind of vibe. Yeah, I would fight Debbie now. But... Yeah, I feel like Debbie's a Karen now. Oh, absolutely. Especially because you know Debbie's in her seventies now. Well, okay. Maybe no. she's just in her 50s or 60s no, now. No, you're not wrong. It's just the passage of time. <laughs> the passage of time has been, like, <laughs> present in my life right is, lately. Uh, I don't life. like this t- dimension. <laughs> Get rid of it. We didn't talk about this with Janet earlier, but we should talk about her plastic surgery, her consults to get a boob job, and... Yes. Oh, my God. So with Bill, Bill Pullman, everybody's president as, right? uh, as the as, as the, the plastic surgeon, as the nice plastic surgeon. It was really nice to like have a plastic surgeon who was like, "You don't need this." Trying to be reasonable, reasonable and like, yeah. don't do it for this reason. If this is the reason you're doing it, yeah. Which like you never see. You always see the pushy, gross, right? Predatory, gross, do more, right? Do it crazier, like which like that's not who doctors are i feel like no and i feel like maybe a person could get that way working in plastic surgery a place that is like basically all like right you know elective right but you are still helping a lot of people and like importantly you're helping people with their like identity and their self-esteem i am down for you doing anything that makes you feel more at home in your body like go for it like if that is an option for you and that is something that you believe will help you feel at home in your body go for it hot take plastic surgery should be covered by insurance oh absolutely because if you really feel so badly about yourself that you feel like you need to have a surgeon fix something and then, you know, like, do all the necessary, like, hoops and steps that go into, like, surgery and surgery recovery, then, like, it's obviously something you care about and want. So, like, fucking do it. And, like, plenty of people, I know plenty of people out there who wouldn't get plastic surgery if they didn't, like, if it was available to them for free. Because right. they just don't, they don't care. No. Those people who get it would still get it and those who don't don't wouldn't like right. it wouldn't change it would anything just be less of a tax on being poor right because yeah. it's like if you're poor you're stuck having a bad self-esteem or i mean you have to you know you have to do you could do the inside mental right. like you know inner work of like well, right. i'm beautiful and whatever but like you know like if you have like body dysphoria like a lot of trans people do and like a lot of insurances will cover a particular surgery that particular surgery but like they won't cover breast augmentation they won't cover tummy tucks or facial feminization surgery all of which can be every bit as gender affirming as the vaginoplasty right yeah like it is absolutely one of those things that just should be covered and the whole the whole stigma around plastic surgery is really gross and i think a lot of that stigma comes from the fact that it's it's specifically for rich people oh abs that totally makes sense that totally makes sense that it i is. think that stigma would go away if 
everyone could get their lips filled and their butt lifted and their, you know. Because, like, why not make yourself feel sexy? Like, why not? Like, what? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand why we have like, to gate. If you really feel so bad about something that it's, like, affecting your quality of life. Right. Like, the mental health help that it would do just from, like, exactly. feeling it in your body would be worth it i say this all the time like the amount of mental energy i spend translating how i think of myself and how i'd like to dress onto my actual physical form oh my god if i could save all of that mental energy i get a fucking second job right like, it would be so much easier if i could just craft my meat suit to fit the kind of person I want to look like. Right. Anyway, maybe this is a thing that we care about specifically because we're trans people. Yeah, we're trans and people and we're both... this person wouldn't feel so strongly about this. Yeah, as someone who has dealt with both body dysmorphia and body dysphoria, like, <laughs> it's, it's so exhausting having to be pulled back into your body and it's, like, one of those things that you don't really think about and it, like, turns into white noise and you don't think about how much energy you're putting into totally. it. And then, like, one small thing goes wrong and you then you realize how close to, like, breaking you are. And the fact that we have to gatekeep all of this shit so that the rich can feel prettiest right. and we can... Exactly, so they can be the prettiest ones. Uh -huh. Because we're turning into fucking Pan Am and everyone in the capital is going to look pretty and everyone else is going to be slave laborers. Uh -huh. uh, so, you know... Jesus Christ, I didn't think that one was going to be the one that got it right. <laughs> but yeah, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And But to bring it back to this movie, get plastic surgery because you want it not to impress a boy. Right. Never, ever change for a man. Yeah. Because they would not do the same thing for you. Totally. No, never. A man would never have... I'm going to say a thing and then I'm going to make a caveat. Uh, a man would never have plastic surgery to impress his girlfriend or his wife. A man might have plastic surgery to make his dick look bigger, but that is not for women, and we all know it. No, dick size it, is not for women; it, it's for men. The ideal man that we all uh, that men think is the ideal man is not the uh, female gaze. It is a male gaze, like right. the superhero. Your Chris, Chris Hemsworth, like no, 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 women no. are not attracted to that. Not no, like it's not unattractive, but like no one wants to date that man. No, the man I want to date is like. Like six one, three hundred pounds. Like you know, where's where's a well fitted denim jacket and good boots? Like I, I don't care about the muscles and stuff. Must love cats. <laughs> Just like he has to be sweet and gentle. That's all. A precious gentle giant. That's all. But yeah, I was really I was really happy that they had Janet not go through with it and like. Totally. actually had it like as a good realization for her as much as it does feel like it does feel a little gross only in because bill pullman says the doctor says like i've never said this to anyone before yeah. but i'm gonna say it to you feels like really you never had this conversation with anyone before feels like this is a conversation you should have about every breast augmentation you do because, like, I've seen this as a plot in plenty of movies yeah. and TV shows about either the wife feeling self-conscious or the husband saying, honey, I wish you had bigger tits, which 
barf, double double super triple barf. But yeah, like how have you not been having this conversation? It feels like that should be step one in the consultation is like, hey, is this a rash decision you're making? Yeah, yeah. I would like I would like to think that this is a conversation he has had and by telling her this is not it was like a comfort thing of to like make uh, her like because she obviously is like trying to be someone's like something special right. and like if you say like this is the only time I've done this it might just like pique her interest and in, like feel, feel more special than she really is yeah. yeah that makes sense okay I buy that I just didn't want to admit I was like no Bill Pullman you gotta be better than that, Bill Pullman. Because he seems like a genuinely nice you're, doctor you're who... the president. You gotta be nicer than that. <laughs> we have learned our presidents do not have to be nice. No. I bet Bill Pullman would be a nice president. Not that I'm saying we should make celebrities president ever again. No, I don't Just want... Just saying he was great in independence. No, look, I don't want... Uh, Martin Sheen to run for president, but, but I do. he makes a great president, right? But I would sure vote for Bartlett. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That that um, that politician doesn't exist. No, no. God damn, Aaron Sorkin make me want to like actually go into politics before I realize how horrible politics are. <laughs> yeah, this movie does a lot of weird like direct camera address. Yeah, it does. And it's very uncomfortable. You're saying that with, like, direct eye contact at me, and I do not like it. So uncomfortable no, when no. just looks directly at you and monologues endlessly. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking weird, though. Like, the opening shot of this movie is, like, direct camera, like, direct yeah. down the barrel. And then we do the reveal. Like, the thing that this usually is a cut to reveal where... Right. We're talking down the barrel, and then we cut to the other, the reverse shot, and there's actually someone standing there. And right. And usually it's someone, like, there's a hilarious reason they haven't been saying anything. Right. But then, so you're like, okay, the the opening shot, you're like, okay, it's a bit, I get it. Right. It's a funny bit. It's been used a million times. But then they keep doing it, and you're like, okay, wait, is this supposed to be, like, a documentary? Is this a real person you're addressing? Because we're not, like, breaking the fourth wall. We're not time-stopping. It's not Zach Morris. Like, what We even have, like, a shot. We even have a shot when, like, Steve is doing his intro where he, like, calls out the window at Cliff for having that noise because he then he goes, I'm doing, and, like, points at the camera but doesn't even say, like, what he's doing. Yeah. So I think it's weird. Like, it's, it's almost... It feels like it's, like... 15 degrees off of like fake documentary yeah exactly like it feels like maybe it was supposed to be like a fake documentary i feel like some shit got cut and exactly some shit got cut out and and now it just kind of feels strange and i don't know i haven't seen many cameron crow movies maybe this direct address thing is like a thing just a cameron crow thing i guess we'll find out but it just unsettled me every time and it yeah fourth wall breaks make me feel weird yeah the fourth wall is there for a reason unless right like, like unless it's the whole movie right like i feel like that's the thing deadpool right as i say unless you pull a like, deadpool there is no fourth wall in this movie the audience is in the movie actively participating and that's just what we've decided is the premise of this movie that's the only way it works. Yeah. Or if you, you know, you layer over 
there's a producer here, and they're talking to a cameraman. Right. And this is all like you're doing a new construction. segment. Yeah. They're, you're talking to the mime that shows up multiple yeah. times in this movie. Yeah. That mime, played by Eric Stoltz, by the way. It's funny to see, even in the 90s, how, like, the dream is kind of shrinking, right? Like, when my grandparents were having kids, the dream was, like, you know, uh, a quarter acre with a, with a nice little lawn and, like, a big house. And it, by the even by the 90s, it's like, the dream is, like, half of a duplex with a parking spot. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. It's just funny, and now, like, now the dream is, like, less my than own, three roommates. Right? <laughs> my dr- the dream is my own single-bedroom apartment. Yeah, right. There's not a lot of growth in this movie. No, not a ton. Which kind of sucks. Like, you kind of see, I mean, in the Janet and Cliff relationship, I feel like you see a lot of growth in Janet in particular, that she sort of learns to value herself. yeah outside of that relationship but yeah that kind of feels like the biggest amount of growth that happens to anyone in this movie and yeah i i I do i do think that the portrayal of womanhood is really interesting in that you know there are lots of women in this movie there are and, and who look lots of different ways which is nice but it just sucks that they're all like obsessed with finding a relationship or whatever it just feels crappy it does but again think of the movie title and the premise of said movie yeah yeah i guess i guess you're right it i think the whole like i as much as it sucks to have it all be revolved around dating i think the whole point was to revolve around dating yeah you're right to like show that world it sucks that there's no gay people in this movie there it sucks there's no gay people there are also no people of color isn't her friend at the office? No. No? I'm pretty oh, sure I'm she's white. Just imagining a person of color. I mean, it's very Seattle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's very Seattle to be entirely white and to not even notice. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I saw a single person of color in this entire movie. It, it's especially weird, I think, because like I think now of Seattle as being like kind of a gay mecca yeah kind of a gay haven it's so weird to see a depiction of seattle with like a purely straight lens no gay shit at all like not any not only do we not have any gay people but like we don't even have flags hanging up around it right we don't see like we ignore the gay neighborhood entirely. entirely yeah yeah it was very gross yeah it feels it feels bad. And I don't know, maybe 30 years ago, this town just, like, wasn't as gay as it is now. I'm willing to buy that. But it just... Yeah, right. Exactly. That's sort of my feeling is, like, I don't know. I've, I know plenty of gay people who have lived here since the 90s. Yeah, exactly. So... Sorry, I gave Alexa a look. <laughs> I sometimes forget this not, is not a visual medium. It's media. not a visual medium. People can't see your, the faces you make at me. Which, frankly, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean this. Because people couldn't see your face. I just mean because we're, we're both goobers. And we do all kinds of weird shit while we're recording this show. Rude. 
I'm fucking adorable. I don't know why you're talking about. <laughs> um, we should, I think we should do rapid fire. Yeah, let's do rapid fire, Rad. I hate the Spanish guy that she meets in the opening scene. He's a douchebag and deserves to get a chainsaw shoved up his ass. Yeah, he's he's awful. And this is only a trick you can pull before cell phones. Yes. He said he was going back home because his visa was running out and she runs into him at a bar the day after. Also, like... Feels like a bad play, man. Right? Like, you you can't tell a girl you're leaving and then go to a bar the very next night in that same town. Like, you need to lie low for at least a couple days. Or, yeah, go to another neighborhood, something. It It just feels irresponsible. Not well thought out. No. It's so weird that this whole, like, getting married for a green card thing exists. I have in my notes that, like... It's probably too difficult to immigrate to other countries if you're willing to, like, get married to a stranger just to be able to stay in the country that you live in. Like, that's that's probably a bad sign. Yeah, anytime you see people, like, abusing a system or going to weird workarounds around a system, that shows you that the system is broken. Something is not working it's not actually serving the people it's meant to serve. Right. And in this country in particular, we have like a really but it backlogged is... draconian immigration system that is designed to hold up immigrants. I was going to say, but it is helping the people who it's supposed to because it's keeping all of the scary brown people out uh, so the yeah. rich white people don't feel so terrified that all the time. The point. But like, I mean... The U.S. is bad, but, like, all countries are like that. Right? Why? Why? I don't understand borders, like, at all. Yeah. Like, fundamentally, like... It seems silly. I don't understand why we can't just be, like, humans can cross. And... Yeah. Well, it's because, like, as countries, we haven't all decided that we value human beings in the same way. Right. And so some countries still have to be like, no, no, here you don't actually have human rights. We've decided, and by some countries, I mean this one, we've just decided that, like, no, you don't get to be healthy, and you probably don't get to adopt kids if if you're gay, and you don't get to... A be an alive person if you're not white, and, you know, you don't get to come here from other countries, and... Anyway. This is a bad place. Bingo card. (laughs) I like that on the door to the plastic surgeon suite, it just says a medical company. (laughs) Yeah. It says like so-and-so plastic surgery. A medical medical company. company. And I was just like... That doesn't seem sketch. Yeah, that feels like when you, like, if you have to describe a food as, like, definitely edible, that means that some shit is going on, you know? Like, that means it's poison or something. Oh, I do like that Janet kind of turns the tide and starts making Cliff work for her attention. Yeah. And he actually starts doing it, which, yeah. like, don't fall for. He's going to go back to the same ways the moment exactly. he gets what he wants. But, like, he installs a sound system in her car and then blows all of then, the windows out, which is, like, such a cliff move. Yeah. That's such a dude move, too, right? Like, I'm going to do a thing. That you that didn't ask me to. You didn't ask me to, that you don't really want, but it's something that I want, that I can pretend you want, and then even then I'm going to take it too far to a point that it's actually going to make things 
worse for you. Yeah. That's men. There's men in a nutshell. There are so many garage clickers in this movie. So many. Like, there's this runner about garage clickers because she gives her garage clicker to the Spanish guy. Which, like, why would you give your garage clicker to somebody? That feels like handing somebody your key, right? Because, like, most people don't lock their garage door. No. So, like, if they can get into your house through your garage, then you just handed a stranger the key to your apartment. Why would you do that? But then there's, like, gotta be six or eight different appearances of garage clickers throughout this movie. It's... It's so weird. And then you have the last scene where, like, you have the garage door opening and closing as the euphemism for sex. Right, right. Because we had to shoot a garage clicker under her ass for... For some reason, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, it's weird. This movie is odd. This movie is very odd. I don't know how to say this without sounding like a soulless monster, but that's sort of my job on this show, so... Here we are. The Kira Sedgwick character, Linda, has a miscarriage. Yeah. Because in this movie because they get into a car accident. Which is sad. I understand that like if you're looking forward to having a baby, a miscarriage is sad because you don't get to have the baby you were thinking about having. But I really think that people that uterus havers would not get so tied up in the loss of a miscarriage if they knew how common miscarriages were yeah i think like she feels terrible because it was a car accident and she wasn't paying attention but like a third of all pregnancies just terminate themselves for no particular reason just because sometimes it's it doesn't work i think this is also one of those more movie things than i guess yeah but like because like people in real life who also have been oh yeah no like, don't get me devastated wrong. by miscarriage don't get me wrong like it definitely still happens and i think like it's a something devastating that you know like especially for people who want the children like that is heartbreaking and i can't imagine what going through that is like but i also know like at least in my experience is in my experience as a uterus haver that like it was pretty common knowledge like the first 12 weeks are pretty hit or miss right and like that's why you don't tell anyone in the first 12 weeks because like you don't want it doesn't really mean anything anything. well yeah like before like modern sonogram technology uh like and before sort of modern, like, the sort of medicalization of childbirth, like, people didn't really consider you pregnant until, like, 16 weeks, until, like, three or four months. What we would now consider three or four months, because basically that whole first trimester is just a fucking crapshoot. I also believe this is a storyline of its time. And I think totally. that with the modernization of the internet, with the ability to have more uterus havers at voices heard, because um, remember, a lot of us didn't have a chance to like talk about our experiences right. for a long time and still don't. Because like you can talk to your your male partners, but they're not necessarily they're not necessarily going to understand what that feels like. Yeah, and you. They're like, it's not something that's talked about publicly like it is more today. Totally. And is like, you know, was very like, not taboo, but just like one of those secret things we don't talk about. Yeah. And I think that it is like, the our whole attitude around uh, childbirth is 
awful and horrible and we still use practices that hurt women because and they're just there because a man had a kink um (laughs) yeah but you know i just listen to people about their experiences and you know listen to more than just your experiences 